Hello and welcome to Scary Pair, the horror movie podcast between partners. I'm Nine. And I'm Opal. And this week we watched Cabin in the Woods, the 2011 Drew Goddard film, uh, written and produced, or co-written, by, by Joss Whedon. Yeah. Before we get into that, uh, Opal, what have we been up to this week? Did we watch any other movies besides uh, our theater experience? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. We watched like a documentary. We've been watching more MasterChef. Oh yeah, we we've gotten past our initial seasons and we're we're fully in it now. Yeah, we're just fully in the the MasterChef hole. Yeah. Uh, we will be uh shortly after this episode releasing a little bonus episode about Barbarian. Yeah, we went to go see Barbarian this weekend in theaters. That was, that was a good time. That was excellent. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, that will be like a pretty spoilerful episode. We'll probably put like some initial impressions in there and then we'll mark like, hey, yeah. here's where the spoilers start. If you want to know our initial impressions, though, it's awesome. Go see it as blind as you can. You know, the huge. Yeah. Um, okay, well, should we just get into our main topic? I think we should. I think... This is going to be a lot to talk about with this one. Yeah, I think so. Um, so we've both seen this one before. I think it's safe to say we were both fans of this movie. I like it a lot. I've seen, I've seen it a few times now, and I'm proud to say that I've shown this movie to quite a few people, actually. Yeah. So uh, It's a good time. For I'm an advocate for it. Just like a, a very brief idea of what the movie is, if you're kind of unfamiliar with the premise, it is a horror comedy. About a group of teens whose dark encounter at the titular cabin in the woods uh, spills into, like, a government conspiracy to save the world? Question mark? Kinda. Um, we can, uh, we can get into the summary, and then, as always, we'll have little production notes and things yeah, like that to get yeah. into. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanna, um, I wanna address it at the point where it happens but my my first experience with this movie was actually kind of funny because i thought i didn't like it interesting i thought it was the movie that it was oh okay uh, at the first 15 minutes interesting i was like this is too stereotypical (laughs) i know how this is gonna go i've seen this movie before i hate these dumb college kid horny flicks it's like but that's not what it is. I I just I literally had to keep it on for two more minutes. I'm pretty sure. Wow. All right. Well, uh, we'll get into it. So we open uh, on two office guys played by Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. This is so funny. Uh, shooting the shit about wives. Am I right? <laughs> wives. And childproofing your house. Uh they're uh, informed by a lady that Sweden just went down, and they're the only hope. Uh, it's them in Japan. Uh, but they seem like pretty nonchalant assholes about the whole thing. Um, it just seems like some kind of weird government situation. No, it sounds like stocks. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I think this is... Uh, I read that this is meant to make you think that you walked into the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might work on some people. Yeah. Um. But here we cut to Dana, played by Kristen Connolly, uh, packing up in her underwear because Joss Whedon wrote this movie. Uh, she's going on a trip uh, with her friends, uh, Kurt, uh, played by Chris Hemsworth, Jules, played by Anna Hutchinson. A uh, humble Chris Hemsworth. A realistic <laughs> looking man, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Holden, played by Jesse Williams, and Marty, played by Fran Kranz. Um there's some like weird discussion here about how uh dana has like just broken up with her college professor or something like that some weird shit going on there and this that is i like, don't want to unpack and this is like a come down trip so that she can like <laughs> flirt with holden it's weird um i think the most fun part of the sequence is uh fran kranz's character marty who is like a giga stoner uh-huh <laughs> he- aka the best character 
He has like a a camcorder bong or whatever, or like a no, thermos. No, it's bong. a thermos. It's it's amazing. This is this is supposed to be a real prop, and people started like duplicating them. I tried to hunt it down, but the website that was selling them doesn't sell them anymore. That's too bad. So if you wanted one of these, you would have to make your own. I I tried to figure out for thirty minutes how this thing works, and I think I have it nailed down. <laughs> um. So we get another scene of the office guys who are named Sidderson and Hadley. Uh, they're setting up some kind of like industrial government operation. It's still very unclear um, what exactly is going on up to this point. Um, cut back to the gang who uh, roll up on a semi-abandoned gas station. Uh, I have a note here that there's a Confederate flag outside. No, first of all, Marty is rolling mids. <laughs> Yes. Fully mids. There's a bunch of weed on the table that looks like stemmy, shitty weed. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think that's great. Uh, Yeah, giving a speech about uh, the puppeteers. No, not yet. Not yet. Just just a speech about how uh, humanity is is maybe not worth saving. Yeah, society (laughs) deserves to crumble. Yeah. Um, Is he wrong, though? (laughs) Uh, The creepy gas station attendant there menaces them a little bit. Uh, and they kind of move on. This is a this is a set piece just straight out of central casting. This is where <laughs> my first viewing, I'm just kind of like rolling my eyes, you know. But, yeah. but it's it's intentional. It's fully intentional. Yes, it is written uh, like almost a satire of of horror movie openings. Uh, yeah. This is like straight out of um, like Final Destination so far, I would say. Well, we have covered one of the movies that this is very much based on. <laughs> right. The other ones we have not covered yet, but we're familiar with. We'll talk about we, some we of the influences more, yeah. Um, so they head off uh, through a mountain overpass and arrive at, uh, you know, TM, Cabin of the Woods, TM, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Um, we also establish that, like, they have no reception up here, and we see a bird fly into, like, an invisible electric barrier? I I didn't think much of that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first time. Um, I'm just like, you know, it'll happen. This bit reminded me of when we drove through the National Quiet Zone in the Monongahela National Forest in West Virginia. Oh, yeah, it's very that. Where you're just, like, up in the mountains and, like, no one's cell phone's allowed to work because of government shit, and, yeah. Yeah, this could be that, yeah. Um, the cabin is creepy. Uh, Holden removes, like, a weird painting from the wall and reveals a one-way mirror. Um, but he's, like, a real gentleman who refuses to see, uh, Dana's boob in the other room, so he kind of lets everyone know. This is when I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's really funny. Yeah, because right after this is more, like, weird conspiracy stuff, which would have reined me in more. But, I mean, just seeing the scene where she's, like, unbuttoning and he's, like, trying to battle with whether to tell her he sees her or not. I'm like, come on, bro. Yeah, um, after this, they kind of, like, lightly flirt and we zoom out into uh, a scene where the entire cabin is being surveilled by the government guys who it's revealed are running some kind of experiment um they're like like putting chemicals into the teens to get them to be more uh archetypes Uh, yeah more archetypical um we find out that like jules's blonde hair dye is making her dumber (laughs) also uh joss whedon fully wrote in uh, a sexual harassment at the workplace joke here which is uh yeah awkward dark um uh the kids kind of obliviously fool around in the lake um as we get a scene of the government guys doing like an office pool for i love the office pool (laughs) it's incredible uh yeah it's a great scene um we get also the teens playing like truth or dare and like a really gratuitous scene of jules making out with a wolf head on the wall i know it's uh some of the parts of this movie I'm thinking are not ironic. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just wanted some sexy woman action in here sometimes. Yeah, they, they managed to get that in here. Uh, the cellar door mysteriously opens on its own, and they go down to investigate in a very, like, evil dead moment. <laughs> We're moving very fast. Yeah, um, I mean, up to this point, like, 
So there's a few different things going on. So you've got the office workers kind of all making jokes about like, uh, I don't know if we get like details yet, uh, but they're talking about like oh, maintenance wanted this thing and they're like arguing with each other and uh, like they're pumping in like pheromones and the alcohol to make all of the teens more horned up. Uh, and it's very interesting. Um, they uh, inspect the cellar, which is uh, full of spooky Americana junk. It is just a collection of shit you find at the thrift store, kinda, a little bit. Yeah, there's, like, a creepy diary and, like, a weird, uh, like, gold sphere, uh, very, like... Uh, horror movie props. Yeah, hor- galore. horror movie props. There's, like, a, a weird fortune teller thing. Um, all of the different teens are, I wanna, like... I want to know what the fortune teller machine gives you. <laughs> yeah. Like, who comes out of that? <laughs> Because all of these are kind of, like, tied to, like, an iconic, like, horror movie monster, basically. Yeah, there is just the puzzle box from Hellraiser. Hellraiser, but yeah. It's, but it's a circle this time. Yeah, a, a legally distinct Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Dana uh, picks up a diary, uh, which she reads from, and it describes, like, a weird uh, rural family murder torture scene. Um, and she caps it off by reading a little Latin incantation at the end, uh, in the, I think the most direct evil Fully dead nod. evil dead, yes. <laughs> yeah. I um, mean, the whole movie is, it's just a very plain homage to evil dead, I feel. Right, I mean, it's a bunch of teens in a cabin in the woods, and then Im- immediately the next scene that we get is zombies rising from the grave to yeah. attack them. Yeah. So, this is all, like, wearing its influence on its sleeve, I would say, um... Friday the 13th, also obviously like another clear yeah, one. which we um, have covered, as I mentioned before. Right. That's that's kind of the more archetypical one, I think. I think Evil Dead is a little less that from what I remember, but yeah. But I would say the part that makes this movie unique is kind of the meta story with the office people. Yes, who yes, we, absolutely. We get a shot here of everyone celebrating as maintenance has won again for selecting the... Uh, evil uh redneck zombies yeah i think <laughs> they are... call them they call them a redneck torture family or something yeah uh, distinct from regular zombies yeah. who are a different square up on the blackboard they, they said before that maintenance always bets on them which means they have like a high rate of success <laughs> Yeah, um, lots of great stuff here. We actually see, like, a whiteboard with all of the different monsters we on it. We pause to look at the whiteboard. <laughs> Some of the names here are Dismemberment Goblins. I want to see those so bad. Vampires and Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> and there's witches and sexy witches. Yeah, uh, one of the government guys really wanted mermen this time, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, I want to see mermen, too. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're kind of like lamenting like a boring outcome. Like, oh, it's the I think I think they actually say the name of the like, Buckners. The, it's the Buckners again. <laughs> <laughs> um, back in the cabin, the chemicals are taking effect as uh, <laughs> as uh, some of the teens are getting horned up. Um, Marty kind of takes note of this and is like, everyone's acting real weird, um, but he's kind of gets brushed off as like a paranoid stoner at this point. I think they should listen to him more. <laughs> He's been having a lot of these, like, speeches about how, you know, you can't trust the system, man, and everyone's been kind of just, like, ignoring him like we get it. I mean, here's the thing, right? We know this better than anyone, that chronic stoners, if they smoke enough, they loop all the way back around to being normal again. That's right. <laughs> they're, they're just not even stoners anymore. They're just hyper-normal. Um, uh, Jules and Kurt, uh, go off to have sex, I guess. In, uh, in the forest. Yeah. Which sounds like a nightmare. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. You're gonna get a splinter in your butt. I'm gonna get dirt everywhere. There's gonna be a squirrel watching <laughs> you. <laughs> um, also we get a scene of Holden and Dana flirting some more. Uh, he's smart and dreamy because he knows Latin. He starts wearing his glasses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like sell you the fantasy of i'm the nerd now he's the smart guy yeah <laughs> um 
in the woods, uh, the government crew spray Kurt and Jules with pheromone mists to get them to start making out. No, they they start fully coordinating the sex scene. They're like, set tits to on, <laughs> set, set sex to yes. <laughs> They're flipping switches and like pressing buttons like atmosphere, sexy. <laughs> you also, you get a great shot of like, 30 government people just staring blankly at the screen watching these two teens kiss or whatever. Yeah. It's a uh, it's fair commentary on how there always has to be a titty slip before the blood. Um we also get lines here like um we're not the only ones watching here and don't you understand how important this is? Uh implying some kind of meta thing going on. We'll get more of that. I I don't know why this is required. <laughs> right as the sex scene starts to get a little bit steamy, the zombies attack and Jules is decapitated. Yeah, right as she gets the boob out, it's like a, a switch flips. <laughs> yeah. Um, and her blood like seeps into the ground and we see it uh, like filtering into this ritual room. This looks like another Twisted Pictures logo, I think I told you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of gears. Uh, Marty uh, hears like a voice in his head telling him, I want to go for a walk. And then he's like, you can't tell me what to do. Hey, that's weird that there's a voice. I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he uh, very quickly bumps into Kurt, <laughs> who is running from the zombies. Um, they uh, barricade themselves into the house after uh, one of the zombies throws Jules' severed head in. <laughs> after them yeah like take this whatever (laughs) um but the government guys start to interfere uh like at one point kurt is making like a smart guy plan because the whole thing is that even though his like archetype so far is the dumb jock he's like actually really smart he's not he's like recommending (laughs) her like russian society books to read and whatever yeah um, in the beginning of the movie and he like makes this plan about how they're gonna get out and then he turns a corner and gets sprayed with a chemical in the face and is like wait a minute i think we should split up actually (laughs) in like the most like twee commentary about how the kids always split up in the horror movie at this point he specifically says we'll cover more ground that way which is always what they say (laughs) and does not make any sense um they all end up getting locked into their rooms um at which point marty discovers one of the hidden cameras um (laughs) a worse thing for a stoner to to happen upon i think but i think very uh funnily the the first thing that he comes into he comes to is oh my god I'm on reality TV. <laughs> I think that's what you should think. I'm being punked. Because this is like fully reality TV producer meddling, right? Right. I mean, at, at that point, like almost on cue, a zombie breaks through the window and drags him out into yeah. the woods. Um, we see more uh, blood spillage down into the ritual room and the whole like government facility shakes. Um, at this point... Uh, Holden and Dana like break through the false mirror to get into the same room and they retreat into a basement uh, where they find like an underground torture room that was mentioned in the diary. Yeah. Um, it could be better torture room. In a very, very Joss whedon moment, uh, Dana fights off a zombie with a zingy one-liner here. <sighs> we'll talk about it, but so- I think for the most part it kind of works for this kind of movie and like Buffy, for example, but... Some of them just, I I think sometimes they're embarrassing. Listen, I've seen this movie twice before this, and I didn't know it was a Joss Whedon movie, but knowing it, going into this movie, It makes a lot of sense. You see it in, like, big letters. It's all over the place. That's <laughs> is, right. Yeah, it is a Joss Whedon script for sure. Um, they, uh, they flee the house with Kurt and uh, start driving off in their van. Um... Just as uh, we get a shot from the government facility, as Japan breaks their perfect record, uh, we see the evil is defeated scene. <laughs> that, the, the evil is defeated meme with the girl holding the frog. Yeah, um, their monster has failed to successfully kill a bunch of nine-year-old school children. Yeah, it's uh, just, what archetypes are they supposed to be? You know, I like, think... Like, <laughs> is there one of those little girls that just fully smokes weed all the time? <laughs> well... So I I guess, like, we'll get more confirmation on this later, but the idea is there are, like, various horror narratives that the governments across the world are engineering to happen 
in order to appease some sort of ritual. And I guess like... But they still got to fill up the little symbols. So what's that all about? Who could say? Maybe the symbols are only for the Americans, who are at this point the only country left in the running. Um, <laughs> this is fully just Ringu, I guess, by the way. I... Yeah, it, it's just a joke about, like, Japanese horror cinema, basically. It's a good one. It's it's very that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get lines here about how they're humanity's last hope to stop the ancients from rising. Uh-huh. Um the teens are going to escape through the overpass tunnel, but um, the government people kind of like scramble to blow it up to stop them. Um, but it leaves just like this open chasm that they um, can't get across. But uh, Kurt has brought like his motorbike with him. So he decides he's going to jump the chasm. He gives a really big cool guy <laughs> speech about how he's going to jump the chasm. And you know, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, even if I like, wipe out and have to crawl my way to get help i'll get it and guys with guns will come save you and then uh he jumps and runs headlong into the electrical barrier and tumbles down yeah like a bug (laughs) yeah you mentioned this is like a fly running into like a glass window yeah my my grandparents used to live in a house with really tall windows and birds just kind of hit it all the time that's what it's like um at this point Dana kind of realizes that this is all a setup and this is all like according to somebody's plan. And she starts saying like, um, the puppeteers and, uh, uh, Marty was right. That's what I've been saying this whole time. Um, wouldn't he be? So, uh, Dana and Holden, the, the kind of last two left at this point, get back into the van and drive off. And, um, they kind of have this like moment where they decide they're going to stick together and then again, like right on cue, Holden is killed by another zombie who in the, is hiding in the, in the middle van. of his good guy speech, which you shouldn't <laughs> do. <laughs> right. You just shouldn't give one. Right. Uh, and at this point, they are plunged into a lake. Um, the government guys at this point all celebrate, saying, uh, "Oh, you know, there's one person left, but she's designated as the virgin, so uh, she's optional. As long as she dies last, everything's fine. So we've won. We've performed the ritual." Um, Some very on-the-nose final girl commentary, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Rich coming from Joss Whedon. Anyway. Uh, uh, we'll talk about it. So Dana like makes it back to shore, uh, but only to be attacked by one more zombie. Um, we get a great bit here where it zooms out into the monitors and everyone's having like an office party to yeah. celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but kind of amidst the busy celebration uh red phone rings and everyone just stops the emergency Um, line um and somebody that they thought was dead didn't actually die and it turns out uh, as we cut back to the zombie fight dana is saved by marty who survived being dragged off earlier saved with his big thermos bong (laughs) right collapsible thermos bong it could be a good weapon uh and this means that basically the ritual isn't over and Marty needs to, to die in order for the world to be saved. Um, he's found like a weird underground bunker. Uh, that Yeah, we see him get dragged off earlier in what was supposed to be his death scene. But that was just kind of one of the graves that the zombies came out of. And that's implied to be where they came from. Yeah, and we actually see like a, an underground elevator that the zombies like came up through. Um, he just fully sticks his hand just into some wiring and just kind of <laughs> like jigs it around a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's like he would die. Yeah, and then then he's like, "Oh, I did a I did a maintenance override. We can like ride down this elevator and like find out what's going on." He knows how to do those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Cut to the government team who's, like, kind of scrambling to find them. Um, They go through, like, this crazy elevator ride down into the earth, deeper into the facility, where they pass by a bunch of other monsters that were up on the board earlier. Yeah, this is is the haunted house attraction that you're, like, (laughs) going through, and you see the different monsters and stuff. Yeah. Um, One of them is just Pinhead, but he's got saws in his head, so he's Sawhead. And he has the, the orb from earlier in his hand, which makes Dana realize, oh, like, whichever object we had, like, chosen in that basement... That's the monster that they were going to, like, send up to get us. Um, Should have picked that one. 
<laughs> He's kind of hot. Uh, the government guys send a guard in to like come get them, um, but he gets distracted by like a stray zombie arm, and the pair like knock him over and get his gun. Yeah. Um, and they flee kind of further into the compound. I, I like the shot of the zombie arm kind of slowly crawling towards him and then just, like, putting its hand all over his face. Like, what are you going to do, guy? It's going to get him. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> it's going to get that guy. <laughs> um, at this point, we get uh, a voice over a PA system, more on this later, uh, <laughs> saying that, uh, you know, it's the government people's job to placate the ancient ones and it's the teen's job to die um, as a SWAT team kind of, like, closes in yeah on on our our pair here and they, they have get a genius idea yeah they uh the the SWAT team has like orders to just kill these two at this point to complete the ritual um but they find like a control room and Dana decides she's gonna release all of the monsters in the facility on the SWAT team uh which the last half of this movie last quarter I guess you could say is crazy <laughs> yeah at this point uh like all hell breaks loose as we see all the different like monsters and demons and spooky clowns and things yeah. like come let's, out let's, of their cells let's go through it <laughs> um and we see like the facility is basically flooded with horrors and the government workers are being ripped to shreds by various ghouls some of them are just people weird people yeah, uh, there's a bunch of great scenes here. Um, there's I think, a lot of really good ones. I think my two favorites are, like, the killer clown who's, like, shrugging off bullets. That one's really, really good. And the unicorn that just impales a guy. I, I love the unicorn. <laughs> um, and in our, like, master control room are two, like, main government guys who we've been following. They watch on monitors as they see, like, the whole facility is going down. Yeah, what are, what are some of your favorite monsters here? Um... Uh, well, I really like a uh, pinhead sawhead guy. He's good for sure. He's good. Um, I like a, I like the little ballerino with just like a maw for a face. Yeah, I really like the um like weird scarecrow people. <laughs> Those are good too. I want to see what they would do with uh their own movie. Yeah, some of these monsters are like tropey, like pulled directly from other movie monsters, and some of them are like kind of some of cool. them are entirely unique, which I would love to see what kind of movie they would be in. I also heard that um, some of these monsters are just left for dead enemies. I saw that too, but I couldn't spot them. I couldn't spot them either. Uh, I guess there was initially like going to be a, a left collab. for dead collab. I saw that too. Cabin in the Woods that fell through. Which I had never <laughs> known about before doing the research for it. But that's great. Yeah. I didn't spot them though. Um, at this point, all of the government guys are killed. Um, we get a scene where... Hadley, who's been kind of rooting for the merman to show up, uh, gets him and spews blood everywhere. The merman? I want to see the merman in its own movie. The The merman is, like, not a typical merman. It's, like, a weird, like, uh, deep-sea fish thing. He's kind of shaped like Justin Long from Tusk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh... <laughs> I like the I like the spewing blood through the blowhole. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I want to see more of that guy. Um, and our our last government guy, Sitterson, he uh, accidentally walks into Dana and is stabbed <laughs> with a knife on accident. Um, and he tells her, "You need to you need to kill Marty." Um, but at this point, our duo kind of like stumble into a, a like ancient temple. Where they are greeted by Sigourney Weaver. Hell yes. Whose voice was doing the voiceover we heard earlier. It's um, amazing to see her here. And she basically like gives them a lore dump of the situation. It's, it's not that bad. It's kind of what you can <laughs> gather from the rest of the movie as she adds context to. Yeah, um, so the five of them are like designated horror archetypes. Uh, the ones she gives are the whore, the athlete, the scholar, the fool, and the virgin. Um, Dana is like, wait a minute, I'm not a virgin. And they're like, we work with what we have, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which kind of speaks to like, uh, dumbing up, uh, you know, the, the athlete character and, uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, and they all have to be sacrificed in like a certain order and under certain rules to like appease these old gods. And this is happening like all across the earth. Various governments are doing this. Um, and uh Sigourney Weaver tells Dana hey you need to kill Marty to complete the ritual and she like thinks about it she like points a gun at him um 
But yeah, this... <laughs> and the, she says that if she doesn't, the whole world will die right. suffering. Right. Uh, at this moment, a werewolf attacks, uh, which kind of knocks everything into chaos. Uh, it's a very typical werewolf. You see Sigourney Weaver uh, kicking Marty's ass. <laughs> I know, this is so... Sigourney Weaver in a pantsuit just kicking a guy. It's yeah. really funny. Uh, they're, like, struggling over a gun. Um, but, like, right at the last moment, one of one of the zombies gets her with an axe to the back of the head. Yeah, the um, the little girl zombie... The one-armed little girl from the from the very beginning, yeah. one of the initial zombies they summon, yeah, um, and that just kind of leaves uh, Dana and Marty alone at the end of the world, and they kind of talk and commiserate about the situation and share a joint, and they allow the world to end as a giant hand raises up out of the ground, and we cut to credits. Yeah, so this has. The biggest death toll of any horror movie, right? It's massive. It's the world. <laughs> yes, it's the whole world. Um, the stuff that we get to see on screen is great. Um, I love, like, you were right. The last, like, 30 minutes are just chaos. It's I just, love like, it, though. It's what I remember the movie for, for sure. It's just a bunch of different little tiny scenes of people getting like killed by different horror movie monsters and they're all great i love that i love that so much the designs are really really good you can tell that a lot went into special effects and things yeah um i guess like production wise they had like over 70 different special effects people working to make all of these different guys oh yeah you can tell yeah they're they're all really good um so yeah that's the movie uh obviously you know, uh, it's co-written by Joss Whedon. Uh, Whedon and the director, uh, Godard, they co-wrote Buffy and Angel. Yeah. And Goddard also wrote uh, Cloverfield. Uh, but this is his, like, directorial debut. This came first, right. Um, well, he, he wrote Cloverfield but didn't direct it. Wrote, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, they kind of, like, locked themselves at a room and wrote this script together, apparently. Um can you imagine being locked in a room with Jaws Whedon? No, thank you. What a fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so we can get into like some of the production background, but like, how did you how did you feel about it with this viewing? I know we've been fans of it in the past, but like, did it hold up for you? Did you still have a lot of fun with it? I still think it holds up every time I see it. I've seen it quite a few times now, and I know the movie pretty well, and I just like it. I like it a lot. I think it's really unique. It's it's a fun play on movies you've already seen before. And then it has like some new stuff to reintroduce to, which I really appreciate. And you know what? You're right. Um, the sort of Joss Whedon-y writing um, works for this one. In ways I think that... in this specific case, this kind of movie, it works. Yeah, it doesn't work all of the time, but it's like just tongue-in-cheek enough and making fun of things enough where I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. Every once in a while you'll get something that's a little bit eye-rolly, but I think for the most part, it's fine. Um, and I really like the cast as well. It's a good cast. Well... You should recognize some people in this movie from movies we have covered before. <laughs> yeah, so Kristen Connolly, the like main girl, she was also in The Bay. Uh, she was also in The Happening. Right, yes. <laughs> also and, important. And um, the little girl zombie, Patience Buckner, is Alyssa from Silent Hill. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the casting for this is really interesting because I guess the movie was like filmed and totally done like two years before it released because it was produced by MGM who so this is pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth yeah so it's actually really interesting because he kind of got that's that's kind of why he looks like an actual human he looks like good here he looks very like he looks fine he looks hunky and cute in this one in a way where like it's too much in Thor I mean the way they get some some of those people in those Marvel movies it's just oh you can tell they've been dehydrated beyond belief (laughs) Well, it's interesting. So um, this movie, um, so MGM goes bankrupt uh, after this movie is completely done. It's edited. It's completely done. Um, they like took an extra year to like convert it into 3D. And in that year, MGM went bankrupt. So right. um, at this point, it gets picked up and sold by Lionsgate. Um, but during this whole process, uh, Chris Hemsworth gets like noticed and does Red Dawn. 
um, which also didn't get released until like 2012. But uh, <laughs> some of his uh, scenes in that got noticed and got him picked up in Thor, mm-hmm. which ends up coming out technically before, before this, this yeah. movie, but only because of the the weird um, production delay. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Um, I mean, I think he's great here as the like secretly kind of smart, hunky athlete guy. I think he plays that well. I think uh, he's very charming. Yeah, definitely. He, I really, I really like the guy that they got for Marty too. I'm not sure uh, that I've seen him in much either, but I like, I like how he plays it. Yeah, uh, Fran Kranz, he's really good. Uh, he has some funny production notes where like he had to take a lot of like fake pot smoking classes to oh, like quote unquote fake pot smoking <laughs> classes just smoke pot. To, to get good at the stoner persona thing. Like, he practiced rolling joints in his room and stuff like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I really li- I really like the casting. I think um, as far as, like, uh, you know, slasher kind of college student casts go, like, attractive young people casts, this, this is, is a good a great one. one. Yeah. Um, this is a really good one. Usually, I think those movies kind of suffer from the casts being... Either a little forgettable or, like, not really... inexperienced, a little hokey. Or they often just don't have very much to do. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we saw, like, Friday the 13th with Kevin Bacon. He's barely in that movie. He, like, barely has any lines. You know, there's not really a lot for him to do. I think the fact that they are leaning so hard into them being archetypal actually does give them more to do to play for that character. Yeah. It's like they gave them that note, like, here's a big list of characters that fall into this and they can just study that. Like, I think that's great. But then they can also be outside of that a little bit as a commentary on, look how tropey this yeah, archetype is. Yeah, you can is. also play against it at times, which they do. Yeah. Which is, I think it's a good balance to strike. So, you know, kind of despite everything, I really like the writing. Um, I think the writing's good. I think it's good, too. I, I don't hate it. I think the movie looks good. I like the effects in it. I, lo- um, I love the mundane office conversation stuff. I think that plays very well. That stuff's really funny because I guess um, that's based on uh, the director. He um, he based that off of growing up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, uh, Drew Goddard, where uh, the nuclear weapons scientists <laughs> all work. Oh, my God. Uh, so it's based off of, like, hearing conversations about things like that, you know. Uh, Mundane conversations about world-ending shit. Yeah, right, about right. work pools. Um, I don't want to know what pools they're doing. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I also like, um, you know, Bradley Whitford as one of the office guys. I always think of him as that guy from the West Wing, but, of course, he's also the dad in Get Out. Um, oh yeah yeah definitely i i remember that yeah um so i I think he does a great job here um the whole movie in general is doing like a a commentary on kind of slasher movie tropes and like specifically slashers yes the idea that like um you know these tropes are very like engineered by a team of people and it keeps happening over and over again and the the heroes at the end decide to blow all that up uh you I know mean, instead I of think, be instead of go along with it i think my one main critique of it is that it is very narrowed down to that specific friday the 13th example of sex is bad youth should be punished thing which is that is only a sliver of the genre really well and particularly by like 2009 I, where yeah people it's have, definitely outplayed by that time people I would say. out there are doing cool stuff with this genre like people are playing with this slasher genre it is being like messed with and subverted and cool things are happening in horror so um, it is ultimately kind of a critique on something that's kind of played out i feel but yeah i i still think it works i still like it as that but that is my one critique is it's kind of it's it's very laser focused in what it's targeting. Like I don't I honestly don't think that the movie is saying much that's all that interesting, but I do think Not necessarily. I do think it gives the movie a great framework to play around in, which helps the movie a lot. Like yeah. I really like the framework of we're doing a self-aware slasher movie. I mean, like, Scream is one of my favorite horror movies that does this, you yeah, know. it's a good do, one. Doing basically the same stuff more effectively earlier than this, but I, I think it's getting a lot of those same beats out here, basically. Yeah. 
I mean, um, I, I wouldn't say that I like it for its meta commentary or necessarily quote unquote what it has to say, but I like the way that it does play in the space and the interesting things it does with it. It, it makes the whole movie really fun. It is really fun. That is why I like it. That, that's the main It's having a lot thing. of fun with it. It's just having fun with it. Like the, the monster jam at the end. Like yeah. that, that stuff is a blast. And I mean, it's a horror comedy, you know, like we've, we've watched several movies where we're like, you know, I don't really know what this movie, if this movie's saying good things, but like some of it looks pretty good, but I just wish it were having more fun. This is having, having so more much fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's why I think we both really like it. Yeah. Um, should we should we talk about numbers? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about numbers. Okay. Uh, well, first up is the spookiness rating. Uh, how good were these scares? How good does the horror stuff kind of look when rendered on screen? Uh, what would you give it? I don't think it's doing anything particularly new or groundbreaking in that respect. I would give it maybe a two. But just because some of the, the monster designs are really good and some of those mini scenes toward the end, yeah. those are really, really good too. Yeah, it's funny because like it is so caught up in being a horror comedy that I think it loses a lot of the horror, part. horror parts yeah. of it. Um, but I agree, the sort of monster jam at the end is really fun. They're they're doing a great job like pulling a bunch of cool little scenes together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I could, I could watch a movie about all those little miniature scenes that they do at the end. It makes you want to go find the movie that that stuff is based on and go watch it. Yeah. Which is great, you know? Um, So, yeah, the fact that it doesn't really have that much of its own going on, I would give it, like, yeah, like a two. Yeah, Um, I I think that's fair. It's not the movie's strength. Uh, Which brings us to the watchability score. How easy is it to just throw this on and have a good time? I I think I'm going to be kind of biased in this because I have watched it several times and I could watch it several more times. So maybe I'll give it a five. I think this is a five. I think this is a very watchable movie. Highly I think, watchable. I think it's the the selling point of the movie. Yeah. You know? Um, I've shown this to friends. It's a great movie to show to friends, especially if you know they like horror stuff. You know? It's, yeah. It's great. And I mean, as much as I like have problems with, uh, you know, like marvel movie writing and like present day overly quippy stuff like that um i actually think for the most part it's a little bit reined in here because it's a little bit more about doing jokes as opposed to doing like cool sounding one-liners um and when there are cool sounding one-liners they're usually like bookended by jokes which i think it's mostly i mean joss whedon is the uh ground zero for this kind of quippy humor but i mean but he's not, like, running wild with it here. I actually think it's well used in this movie. The reason that it caught on is because of examples like this where it fits in, where it's actually appropriate, instead of just planning it in the middle of somewhere and hoping that it brings levity. Or overusing it to the point where it's, like, the only bit of levity in the movie. Whereas this is, like, you know, um, we're gonna have you know chris hemsworth do like a cool guy speech but then he's gonna bonk into an invisible wall and it's and you know it's gonna break that up nicely so yeah um definitely like a watchability five for me yeah uh and then the vincent price vamp rating the campiness and overall performances of the movie what would you give it it's pretty camp and there are a lot of really good performances i think um for like a lot of the monsters that are really really cool i think just for the tone of the movie i think this is kind of a four for me in terms of like yeah. it's vamp and camp like that guy that does the pinhead like he looks just like and him. he's doing like a great like vacant stare too all of the like perf- like monster performance actors are doing really like, really good really good in like a really limited role so you don't get tired of any of it yeah. it's just like pretty fun um yeah i can't quite give it a, a five but i like four for it yeah yeah i like four yeah so we're, we're in agreement totally on this our scores are the same yeah we both gave it uh what i guess uh, b- 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 uh 11 11 out of 15 which is good uh one, one of the better yeah the part of the show where you do math <laughs> everyone's favorite um yeah um i i like this movie i don't necessarily like um it's just kind of like a nice uh, like popcorn movie for me, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm not like digging into the themes too much because honestly, it doesn't really have that much going on. Um, you know, it's kind of like a 
lighthearted spoof on the mm-hmm. slasher genre, which yeah. has been done up to this point. I don't think it's like, you know, I mentioned Scream earlier. Like, I think Scream is doing this maybe better yeah. um, or or more like believing in itself doing it. Whereas this one is like. Well, Scream is also just a really good standalone horror movie on its own. Right. Scream is like really actually emulating this mo- those movies. Whereas this one is kind of just trying to have a good fun romp while poking fun a little bit. Kind of like nipping at its heels I, I a little that, bit. I love that they get Sigourney Weaver. You know who they originally wanted for the director though? Who? Bruce Campbell. Oh my gosh. I, I'm kind of glad it's Sigourney though. But I like Sigourney Weaver because like... A, because she's she is like one of the original final girls. Yeah, she she's a staple of the genre. That that sounds so infantilizing for what Ellen Ripley is. She's a final woman. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, she's great. Um, I mean, Sigourney Weaver like really important to the horror genre as like a character. Oh yeah, I I feel I also feel like she has more of that presence and gravitas that that character should probably have. Oh, it's it's like a ton of fun when she shows up. Like Bruce Campbell's more of a cool guy to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um so so yeah, I really liked um I really liked her showing up in this. Um I think it's like a I'm actively pumping my fist when she shows up on screen. <laughs> I mean, I think it's again just the movie having fun with it, you yeah. know? She's having fun with it. She's playing like the ultimate villain in a horror movie, like that's great. I mean, that's that's a fun part of it too though because can you really say they're villains like their their job is to sacrifice a few people for the good of humanity i mean i will point out that this movie's like concept of uh government conspiracies as something that's done for the good of humanity i don't know if this is government necessarily though this could be a completely fringe thing i don't know this is like serious industrial equipment stuff this is very that's true that's true and I don't know, just like the um, the kind of mundanity in which it's all done is very government stuff, you know. Um, it's very much like, oh, this is the state job or federal job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like that conception of it is a little... It's a little strange. It's a little pat. I mean, I think it does show like, oh, this is like the evil of government, right? <laughs> like people can be like developing this like potentially world ending thing and be running a shitty office pool about it you know um they're bullying the intern and things like that um but again like it's having so much fun with it and it's also lighthearted that i kind of just bounce off it and i'm like oh that's nice you know i think i think the actual performances are kind of like charismatic and funny enough that you kind of just don't think about it you kind of just want to see them more like every time they're on screen you're like oh god what are they gonna say now yeah it's gonna be like horrible office guys saying like something horrible but it's gonna be delivered in like a really tongue-in-cheek way yeah because uh, I look forward to seeing them when they come up. Yeah, I mean, they're funny. I mean, it, it's really interesting to me that, like, they got someone from, like, the West Wing to play, like, kind of a corrupt government guy. Because, <laughs> like, it it does feel, like, very self-aware in that way. Um, and, yeah, everything in this movie is kind of just poking fun at itself and, like, being lighthearted about it. And, yeah. Any any bonus points? <laughs> there, there are a lot of options. Jeez, you're right. There's so many different freaks and fools in this one do we do we go down the list as we as we acknowledge them (laughs) i i mean i don't have like a list prepared but just just as you think of them all right uh what about big werewolf three okay uh what about uh pinhead saw blade head guy five nice uh what about uh the entire the entire zombie redneck family one (laughs) It sounds like I'm doing the number station thing again. <laughs> Five. One. <laughs> um, okay, what about... Um... The clown? <laughs> what about the clown? Two. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do it forever, but... Alright, uh, if... last one, what about the merman? <laughs> you gotta have me really thinking about this one one <laughs> okay good sluggo <laughs> the merman is a one good <laughs> i don't know where you go with that from there i don't slug my balls <laughs> that's not anything <laughs> it's nothing it's nothing okay um you're not giving any air scores though listen 
This is. I feel like this is important, and we need to talk about it. We need to discuss this. Really. <laughs> this is just my segment, and you're not a part of it. <laughs> That's right. We've created this whole monster fucker segment, and I never get to participate in it. Well, you can if you want to. <laughs> All right. the The werewolf man gets a gets a three. Okay. Yeah, we're in agreement. Yeah. Basic. Basic werewolf. Not doing anything fancy. Like. Yeah, he's fine. Know, I like. Not. Not like a. Not, you know, it's a werewolf. It's good. It's baseline, you know. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I'm not into the saw blade guy. No, no, you're not into that. I'm not into uh, blank eyes staring with weird bulbous head. That's that's for you, isn't it? <laughs> um, Alright, so that's, that's, uh, that's the movie. Yeah, um, I think that's it. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're... <laughs> Uh, shall we get into our final segment? Our sexy segment? It's time. Oh, shit. Bring me the movie sack. Bing a ling a ling a ling. This is the sack segment. Uh, this is the movie sack segment. This is the part where we decide which movie we're going to watch next week. Opal, you're the keeper of the sack. You uh, write a little horror movie name on a slip of paper, put it in, we shuffle it up. I reach my hand in, I pull one out. That's the movie we watch next week. Be careful not to get paper cuts. Oh no. This is the, horror, this is the live horror movie segment. Ah! Ah! <laughs> I just liked the movie. It almost got you. Got me. Are you ready? Yeah. Next week, we're watching The Loved Ones. Ooh, this is interesting. I'm not familiar with this movie. It's uh, it's from 2015, I believe. Okay. Do we? Do you have like a like a two sentence? Um, prom horror. Okay, <laughs> two words will do. All right, problem horror. All right, I'm looking no, forward but to But not really. <laughs> All right. I don't want to give anything away about it. All right, well, that we'll be doing that one next week, The Loved Ones from 2015. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, Opal, any final thoughts on Cabin in the Woods? I love Sigourney Weaver. I like, I like, oh, I like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah. Can I award bonus points to him? Sure. In this movie four all right you've spoken your truth in thor two oh, harsh harsh but fair i'm gonna tell him you said that oh no <laughs> <laughs> all right uh opal where can everyone find you on the internet okay you can find my socials at opal.card.co you can find like my tumblr my twitter etc and the podcast has a twitter at scary pair Stay tuned for more for that. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we, if we, you want. We post funny pictures. We we post when the episode goes up every week. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and I'm putrid underscore amp on Twitter. I also have another podcast I do with my friend Austin where we play World of Warcraft Classic for a few hours a week and then talk about it. That's uh, Level With You Pod on Twitter. And that's going to do it. I think that's it. Join us next week. Once again, that's the loved ones. I love you. I love you too. Ah! That's me taking a hit from the ball. Oh. <laughs> what? Why did you scream? The slurping. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>